Well, I never. Yeah, and you never will with them soup cans on your head. Listen, young lady, I don't know who you are or where you came from, but you most certainly don't fit in this town. Why, you don't even fit in that dress. Listen, sister, if I want your opinion, I'll beat it out of you. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhood Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters, Red Sox Sluggers, and Donut Dunkers. This is Ruined Childhoods, and on this episode, we are headed up to the Bay State. If you are in this part of America, you may be visiting one of its many coastal towns, such as Rockport, Provincetown, or Limerick go-to Nantucket. Or you may be in one of the state's many historical landmarks, like Paul Revere's house, Plymouth Rock, or site of the shot heard around the world, Lexington and Concord. Residents of this state are proud of their sports, their universities, and their stereotypically brash demeanor, sometimes proudly declaring themselves as mass holes. And lastly, America's very first apple tree was planted in the state in 1625. Dan, how do you like them apples? <laughs> I got a number. <laughs> there I, we go. I, I yeah. knew I wouldn't have to explain that one to you. Um, you know... <laughs> Honoring the state of Massachusetts without talking about goodwill hunting would be a crime, so here we are. Without acknowledging Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Totally. Massachusetts' brightest shining stars. I know, I know. The the favorite sons. It's it's truly their state. And I have to say, uh, uh, my lesser non-preferred Affleck Casey, I I do have to say I have a soft spot in my heart for the SNL sketch where he does the Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, that one's pretty good. Thing. Yeah, yeah. And there's I Massachusetts is a I, I is a state that I'm very fond of. And Massachusetts Boston is a city. I'm is very a fond state. Of. Yeah, I, I, I've enjoyed the time I spent there. You know, my first year of college, I was in New England, and so I would go to. Um, I would go to Boston pretty frequently, visiting a lot of friends who went to the many schools there. And so, yeah, I had some good times in Boston, but it's it's been a long time. I haven't been there in such a long time. Now, now outside of Boston, where in Massachusetts have you have you spent some time? Well, I I'm, I know I've seen Weeza in Worcester. I went to a Weezer Weezer show. I saw Weezer in Worcester. That started Cockney. I don't know what was. Weezer in Worcester. Worcester. (laughs) I saw Weezer in Worcester. Um, And aside from uh, the Boston area, and I mean, Worcester's not far from Boston. And I mean, I'm counting Cambridge as well. I don't think that I really went into other parts of Massachusetts. How about you? I have been to so mostly in the Boston area. I uh, visited Provincetown. I don't think Lovely. we stayed. We did. We did not stay there in, in P Town, as it's known. Uh, but we did spend like a lovely day, and I remember had some d- delicious food there in Provincetown. And I, I that's where I bought my. I have a T-shirt 
that is it's the Nakatomi Plaza. And this was okay. prior to when you could buy like a million and one different diehard related designs on the T-shirt. Yeah. So I I remember buying uh, that T-shirt, which I, I still own in a shop in Provincetown. And this was quite some time ago. This is a, a, oh, definitely over 10 years ago, probably over 12 years ago. But uh-huh. anyway, oh, um, anyway, regardless, it was a fun trip. And where else? I went to, I'm trying to remember, oh, where is it? Wellesley College. Okay. Which was the college campus that hosted the summer program known as Exploration, where Exploration. I attended for three weeks in the summer of 1992. Right on. And you were there for like, what was exactly the what was the program like exactly? And that was it actually was, uh, closer to Boston. It's uh, between Boston and Worcester, but much closer yeah. to Boston. It wasn't far from Boston. Like that was my first Red Sox game was ah. going to be my first time at Fenway Park, which is, by the way, my, my favorite ballpark that I've I've been to. And I've been to a okay. handful. So I've been to enough to say, like, yes, I, I have a favorite. And that <laughs> means a little something. So, okay. so there we are. But Boston, I'm trying to remember if I've seen, seen any uh, concerts out there. No. So, yeah, uh, spent some time there at Wellesley. And, you know, nothing outside of, of that area. But I, I would definitely like to go back. And I would say if I had to visit one area outside of Boston, I would love to visit Salem. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you can't find your way over to Falwell, then you may as well go see Salem. (laughs) Right. Yes. Well, yeah, I didn't know if we were ready to segue over. But uh, yeah, regardless of of this film would definitely love to visit Salem and and see sure where, where things went down back in yeah. the 17C. Oh, yikes. What a really uh fascinating legacy for a town to have. You know, we we've talked before about uh phrases that come from from movies, well, sure. fra- common phrase coming from that is uh time in history witch hunt right which, oh absolutely right yeah. witch hunt is part of this oh uh absolutely a hundred thousand percent yeah so anyway before we get into it any anything uh what else do you have to, to throw in there how are you oh, doing uh, how am i doing well uh i feel like before we get into elvira mistress of the dark uh it would be a good opportunity uh, before everyone has podcast fatigue, to mention a really cool uh, new endeavor that I've got going on. It's a project that I launched that's on Substack, which is a it's kind of like an email newsletter platform, but it's like enhanced. It's kind of like uh, more of like a blog that's kind of fed into your email inbox. And because of the features that it has, I felt like it was the appropriate place to start a project that I'm uh, calling The Walt, which is the Watch and Learn Theater. And I've been wanting to set up a a place for uh, people who enjoy 
documentaries or people who just enjoy learning about things in general to have a place to uh, kind of have a discussion about a single subject uh and i'm starting it off with once a month i you know i was going to do more of like a traditional theater thing but i realized that uh it would be much better to be able to include people from all over the world in this and so Mm. the walt is uh you know and we we have theater in quotes essentially it's like your your home is your theater but i once a month i'm going to start off with once a month uh i'm going to be sending out a a documentary selection for everybody to to go ahead and watch and i'm going to include uh how you can watch them on any streaming service whether it's one of the paid ones or if it's an ad supported free one or perhaps something like hoopla or canopy which you can get for free with a library card and actually that's what i'm really leaning toward because at least then it's supporting libraries i think that it it does a lot for those libraries to be included on that and so uh there's uh, going to be a different type of documentary each month. I'm really going to try to shake it up and make it something different. And with each newsletter that goes out, I'm also going to send a few prompts, some questions to maybe think about while you're watching it to uh, encourage the discussion in the forum that is going to go out in a, in a separate email thread. And the uh, by the time this comes out, the first one will have already gone up. Uh, which is a film called The Thief Collector. It's from 2022, and it is a really fascinating story. I don't want to say too much about it, but it is, you know, it's a documentary. It's a real-life story about this uh, de Kooning painting that went missing out of a, uh, a, 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 it was like a, a Texas, not Texas, sorry, an Arizona University's Museum's collection and it got, um, oh, I see I have a new subscriber. I'm assuming that's you, Dan, because I see you monkeying around on your phone. Because so- I wanted to demonstrate how easy it is to <laughs> sign up. I wanted to it actually really is. do this with John as my witness within moments, not even <laughs> during the explanation, but during part of the explanation. Yeah. So, yeah. So the, the Thief Collector. So it's about this de Kooning painting that gets stolen in 1985. And it's a mystery up until just a few years ago, I think 2017, uh, it is found in the home of these pretty eccentric people who uh, have traveled the world. And it's perplexing as to why exactly they stole it uh, and raises questions of what else have they done that has maybe uh, broken the law. And uh, it kind of makes you question, like, who are the people next door? I don't know what, like, even these people's closest relatives and friends had no idea that they were involved with the theft of this uh, this painting that is now worth $160 million. And so it is completely fascinating. It goes in places that you don't expect for it to go. It raises a lot of questions. And... Uh, I, you know, because I haven't sent out this one yet, but by the time this episode comes out, it will, the discussion will already be going, but I'm really exciting to, I'm really excited to see where this goes. And it's a free subscription. You do have an option to do a $5 a month paid subscription. And what that gets you are different bonuses and you have input on the selections for each month. And mm-hmm. I, there's a, a lot of just new content that you have access to, for example, for 
the Thief Collector, I'm doing I'm having a conversation with the director, Allison Otto, uh, and we're gonna record a little video uh conversation about it that's gonna be available to the paid subscribers. And I'm just really excited for this. And uh I already have um a, a good number of subscribers and nothing has come out yet. So it's really exciting. And uh it's the Walt T H E. W-A-L-T dot substack dot com. We'll have a link in this episode's description. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. So definitely check it out. It's free. Why not? It doesn't yeah, have to I, be, though. And no, it doesn't. You you know, if, if you want the extras, if you if you watch The Thief Collector and you're like, I want to hear from the I'm director Jonesing. about this. It sounds like uh, your your five bucks a month is going to sure. get you that. Yeah, and so, Allison Otto also yeah. uh, created a PDF for that uh, she has given me access to share with our paid subscribers that is uh, kind of uh, information sourced from a lot of other documentary film professionals about the best character-driven documentaries, and it's essentially a checklist. And so uh, there's people from all different areas of the documentary world, and uh, there's a lot of awesome picks on there, so paid subscribers will have access to that as well so yeah it's it's cool it's gonna be fun and you know if if you like book clubs but don't have the time to read a full book and just want to learn something maybe about something weird happening in the world also uh any every subscriber you know gets an email that has linked to a link to a survey that's just about what streaming services you have, what types of documentaries you're drawn to, what types of documentaries you avoid, and that'll help with the selection process as well. So I, I feel like I've uh, I've been wanting to do something like this for a long time. And you yeah. know what? I ultimately was just like, let's just, let's do it. Let's make it happen. Hey, why not? Why I not? I mean, documentary, I feel, like, I feel like documentary as a form has you know it's always been there and it's always like there's always been a fan base for documentaries but with the just the amount of documentary television and also streaming services that are producing netflix especially producing documentaries like i know just from being a being being a high school teacher and hearing kids talk about what they're watching and hear them talk about documentaries that they've seen and what gets them. And there's so many different topics and also and stories like this are just so fascinating that that really prove the saying that truth is stranger than fiction. Because Absolutely. Yeah. So, so many of these stories are the stories where you, you watch the movie and you're like, if I watched a if I watched a movie that was scripted about this, I'd be like, no way, uh, uh-uh. uh, not buying yeah. it. Well, Dan, like, have you did you see the movie Three Identical Strangers? Came out a few years ago. I the doc documentary, correct about yeah. the three the uh no these three I guys did. who look identical to each other run into each other on a college campus. Well, two of them run into each other on a college campus, and then. Uh, a third comes out of the woodwork who looks exactly like them. And the the places that this documentary goes and, and them learning about the truth of their backgrounds, because they were all adopted, and it's astonishing. And it's those types of things. Clones. I mean, that one would, well, I mean, right. raises some they're questions. but clones that were, yeah. <laughs> but I... 
you know, in the survey, there's a checkbox for conspiracies. So it's things like that where it's oh. like, you know, mm. getting into things like that. Or, you know, of course, there's true crime, but also arts and entertainment and uh, uh, politics and the environment and food. There's so many different types of documentaries to, to explore. Right. Absolutely. As I, in fact, you know what? I just watched one. I just finished watching one earlier this evening. Oh, no way. What'd you watch? As we're recording, Giving Voice. It oh, is tell streaming me about it. on Netflix. It is about the August Wilson monologue competition. Oh, cool. Which started up uh, after uh, August Wilson passed in uh, 2005, I believe. And they started this competition where students from all over can compete. And they, they first do a, uh, a I think it's a, there's a state, you go to like the states. And then I think regionals and the finals are in New York at the August Wilson Theater. Oh, cool. And you, if you make it to the finals, you perform on a Broadway stage. And it's Not all monologues from the work of August Wilson, who, for those who aren't familiar with with him, was a uh, an African-American playwright who wrote a 10 play cycle reflecting the experiences. I don't want to say the African-American experience because he's reflecting so many different experiences mm. of African-Americans throughout the 20th century. Yeah. And I looked at it because I'm preparing to teach his play Fences, which was mm -hmm. one of his Pulitzer Prize winners. Adapted into a film just a few years ago. Right. Viola Davis, Absolutely. Denzel Washington. Absolutely. And it's great. And we'll be watching that. It'll be the it'll it'll actually this giving voice because Denzel Washington is interviewed for it. will round out the three part Denzel Washington Film Festival. Huh. Uh, that includes uh, it's giving voice fences, and then I do a, a unit on debate, and we watch the great debaters. The great debaters, I, of course. So not just a Denzel Washington acting, Denzel Washington directing because he directed that as well as fences. Right. Yeah. I have also this year already shown clips from Malcolm X. <sighs> and Hell yeah. Uh, who knows? I may I may go with the tragedy of Macbeth at the end of the year. Why not? Just to say. Hey, you know what? You're still in school, kids. Yeah. Check this out. Shakespeare with Denzel Washington. Well, speaking of Shakespeare, we're yes. going to talk about something that's maybe the opposite. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that with nothing but love. Uh, yeah, I mean... Absolutely. This is a movie that as you are watching it, I feel like in order to make it through the movie, you have to ask yourself, what are they aiming for? And they Absolutely. are not aiming for Shakespeare. They are. This is not. Although, actually, you know what, John? I'm sorry. We, I'm saying that out of turn because Shakespeare uh, there are uh, there is a lot of humor in this that would not be out of place in Shakespeare, and oh, I do mean some yeah. of the lowest of the lowbrow jokes in this. Like we're talking like sausages and taco shells yeah. that would not be out of place 
in Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Totally. Uh, like, yeah, knew the art of lowbrow humor. Now, of course, Shakespeare could also ele- elevate it into in, into the highbrow and intellectual and, and great complexity and depth. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, kind of knows its role and it stays it stays in its yeah. lane. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a, well, it's Roger, you know, Roger Corman adjacent. Roger Corman adjacent. That's right. Uh, why don't I give a little synopsis and then we'll just kind of uh, sing our praises and 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 celebrate the weirdness that's Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. All right. Elvira is the host of a horror movie television program and is bound for her own Las Vegas show, but needs to come up with $50,000 to get it off the ground. Luckily, a mysterious relative passes away and names Elvira in her will. After traveling to Falwell, Massachusetts to claim her inheritance, Elvira learns that all she's getting are a rundown house, her great-aunt's dog, and a dusty old cookbook. Unfortunately, the residents of Falwell don't take kindly to Elvira, whose demeanor, wardrobe, and ample bosom make her life there quite difficult. However, the town's teens take a shine to her, whether their intentions are horny or out of pure admiration. Elvira, who had always known herself to be familyless, does meet an uncle named Vincent who seems hell-bent on getting the old cookbook, which happens to be a spell book. Once Elvira accidentally discovers the truth behind the cookbook and her myth in her mystical family, it becomes a struggle to prevent Vincent from stealing the book and wreaking havoc on Falwell. So, Cassandra Peterson famously plays Elvira. Uh, Dan, do you remember much about Elvira uh, growing up and and kind of the the impact that she had? I, yes. All right. So what I remember now, I I never watched the the show that that she hosted, uh, uh-huh. which uh, the name is escaping me. A, a movie macabre. Yeah. Uh, so Elvira's movie macabre, which uh, because. Also, it wasn't available on TV. It was like local Los Angeles. I think it was like a Los Angeles area. Exactly. But, you know, as I knew about her, it was kind of like you still knew about her. Like she was famous. And by the time this movie came out, you knew it was like, okay, she hosts movies on a TV show that I've never seen. And, you know, she, oh, right. And she also talks during them. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like a, a lost form of entertainment, which is the, you know, uh, airing on television movie that was probably just really inexpensive for the station to get. And they just needed to do something with it. And so they have a, some sort of talent, like, book ending and you know leading into and out of commercials and things like that right. and saying something funny or clever there used to be like i remember i well, I think like the next iterations were like dinner and a movie on like tbs or usa or whatever that well, was so there's dinner and a movie and then yeah. there was an element of what elvira did that was also reflected in mystery science theater sure where, were, mm-hmm. where it was the same type of movies and they would talk during it Now, what I do remember watching in that vein were these movies. So we grew up in suburban New Jersey in the New York, Mm -hmm. in the New York market. So Mm -hmm. our 
our like uh I don't know what you would call it, like the local stations yeah were WPIX 11 and WWOR 9 which mm-hmm. was based in Secaucus, New Jersey. Uh and on which I famously appeared in the A plus for kids uh series informing people about the uh, ozone layer and its importance but that's we talked about that on a, on a much earlier we, episode well that's why i said it's another story for another time and the other time has passed so yeah. it, it's it's on some other episode and my goodness john we've been doing this for five years as it just it struck me as i is that said, true How much archives do we have to go back and it's the end of of january and yes we we started this we are nigh upon like the five year anniversary. Whoa, that's of our wild. First episode, the release of our first episode, Short Circuit. Uh, so, but going back, sorry, I've I've tangented here. Uh, getting back to where we were, WWOR Channel Nine hosted had these movies, and they did a special promotion. I forget. I don't know if it was supposed to be a temporary thing or the, they were just like, oh, this is what we're doing now. But they were going to do 3D movies. And huh. you could go and get your 3D glasses. I feel like at 7-Eleven. Okay. You could go to your local 7-Eleven and like if you bought a Slurpee, you got to like, get a Slurpee and get, get the 3D glasses. Mm-hmm. And it was hosted by... Soupy Sales. Soupy Sales? Really? Soupy Sales. And I feel like we're going to need to explain who Soupy Sales is. Soupy Sales but, is a, a big name in, in old old comedy. Right. So um, Soupy Sales, who uh, pour one out, uh, passed away in 2009 on, on yeah. my birthday, in fact. Oh, bummer. Yeah. So I I mean, you know, it was it was still a good birthday if I remember correctly. <laughs> so 32, what could have been so bad? But yeah, he hosted his own show on uh WNBC in New Jersey or sorry, New York. WNBC. E- sorry. WNBC. <laughs> uh yeah. Uh, is he had a children's television series, Lunch with Soupy Sales, and there his trademark became get this pie in the face. There you go. That was that was his trademark. He was a regular panelist on the syndicated revival of What's My Line and appeared on several other TV game shows, of course. So that is that. That in a nutshell is Soupy Sales, and he was just a real. He was a he was that type of personality, and he'd host the movie and he'd make some uh, silly joke go- going in or coming out of it. Yeah, kind of like Elvira did, but just at, uh, all, innocent, very the innocent well, version. Yeah, because he was <laughs> like a schlocky, you know, comic essentially, and and Elvira has a thing. You know, she 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 has this, you know, air of mysteriousness. And also she is a kind of silly sex symbol. You know, she's uh, everything is just to be done. Like she is the butt of all the jokes, essentially. 
and uh, she winks at the audience all the time and oh, brings you in yeah. and and it's like you know the, she comes from the groundlings she uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, i mean john paragon who uh, co-wrote the movie and, and was in it for for a hot second you know um john Marie stewart right oh absolutely yeah they were all buddies i mean she was also in peewee's big adventure cassandra peterson was in peewee's big adventure you know as one of the bikers and yep. and you know and he was gonna he was gonna be in this but they were he was shooting big top peewee he couldn't do right it. yeah i mean she and cheech marin she well cheech and chong were were buddies and yeah you know she appeared in uh at least one of their films i know cheech marin did some stuff on her show and so uh, you know, she was just part of this little, it's like, it. this is pre-alt comedy, but it's like they had kind of their own corner of the comedy world and all uh, kind of just came out of this class from the Groundlings. Yeah, and and I would say that, I, yeah, like pre the, the like kind of official or formally known era of alt comedy, but yeah, you could look at you you could go back and you could look at I'm pretty I'm, as I as I'm going back in my mind and thinking about like well you could call that alt comedy and you could call that alt comedy. I'm going back to the Smothers Brothers at this point. Oh okay. Uh, well, I mean, alt comedy is but, the name for like you know the the Gen X like Janine Garofalo, two, David Cross, like the you know that yeah. that time of of comedy. Alter, the alternative era yeah. of. Yeah, sure. Nineties, but I mean, they had yeah. this like character-driven. Uh, you know, they were kind of fringy in their comedy. Uh, I mean, Elvira appeared uh, on Saturday Night Live from time to time. She was not a cast member, but you know, she would she would show up and do a little shtick here and there. Uh, she was like, it was like Pee Wee Herman became Paul right. Paul Rubin's alter ego. Yeah, Cassandra Peters a more to a greater extent Elvira. Yeah really they they're synonymous with with one another they're you know yeah it's it's the hannah montana miley cyrus thing it's it's exactly the same it's exactly the same yes so but in this in this movie we you know we're we're a little bit into her career i mean movie macabre was early 80s i want to say and and this is 88 and so, uh, you know, she's already pretty established as a as a you know character, and this movie is just a platform, a much longer form platform for her to, I don't know, kind of just do her thing. And is it high art? No. Is, does she want it to be high art? No. And I I think this movie is exactly what it needs to be. It's. It it's kind of like I feel like it probably plays better now watching it than it probably did in 1988, but I I don't know. Right. Well, yeah. because it, it's the things that it's uh, it's it's taking pieces of genre and it's tribute. It's taking the the old those those B movies that were that were not all but mostly about teenagers who are going through a rebellious stage rebelling against their parents their bodies are rebelling against them you have all the like a teenage werewolf movies and all of those which were basically metaphors for puberty sure or you have a car you have this elvira who comes 
into town, into this really repressed town. And of course the adults have no, are, are put off by her except for that mechanic who is the coolest dude in the whole town. The, the mechanic and also the, the man who runs the motel. Right. Yes. But the mechanic, at least the guy who runs the hotel, like doesn't, you know, grow a set until the end of the movie. But the the mechanic doesn't give a shit the whole time. No, I love I I, and and, okay. So, all right. A lot of the humor in this is it's objectifying. But it's as as you said, John, it's she's the butt of the joke and yeah. she was involved in the writing of the screenplay. So yes, there's a ton of sexual innuendo and it's all about a lot of it is about is objectification. She is also, it is do, putting this on. I have to kind of think about that as I'm watching it and saying like, okay, all right, this is not, somebody who's being put into this role we no. can argue the you know or but the origins of this type of character go back long before cassandra peterson sure yeah so you have this woman who comes to this repressed town named for jerry to, falwell named for jelly <laughs> jerry jelly jelly um, falwell i could go for a jelly falwell right about that's now. jerry falwell's uh hannah montana's jelly falwell <laughs> <laughs> coincidentally jelly f- coincidentally one of the teletubbies <laughs> go on okay uh sorry mental image need to get it out of my well, head well he was the one that said that like the they represent homosexuality oh and, oh yes that yeah. that was him right or the one yeah. the one because one of them had like a had handbag a or something yeah. and yeah i don't know they're making it it's like tucker carlson going about all up getting all uh hot and bothered about like the green m&m not not wearing stilettos anymore dan don't mention the green m&m i'm getting a little fidgety oh yeah (laughs) okay okay so go on you're talking about falwell massachusetts she comes into town and of course the the boys are all interested the teenage boys because they're teenage boys but also they don't this town is so repressed there's no one else for them to look at (laughs) they don't right and they don't really and then for the for like i guess the the, there's more than one girl but there's really only one girl robin actually get to know right robin who sees in Elvira someone who's not afraid of her own womanhood yeah and is yeah and 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 inspires Robin to explore we know from the beginning like that Robin is wearing a little makeup when we first meet her right her very conservative mother is not having it who runs the motel yeah, but then when it's time for Elvira's midnight movie show, which man, that does look like a lot of fun. Oh, she is. She gets. She her hair is all poofed up, and yeah, yeah. It's a Robin's you know, and out there living her best life. What's also what's funny, Dan? This movie and Big Top Pee Wee actually have a lot in common. You know, they're they these should. two stories yes. about these characters who 
don't fit into their very conservative settings. I mean, Elvira is there, you know, it's not her choice to be there, but she ends up there. But for Pee Wee Herman, you know, that's where he lives, I guess, after the events of Pee Wee's Big Adventure. It doesn't really clarify but doesn't matter and they're surrounded by these people the buxton's uh, just bought the whole block (laughs) yeah 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 right and so uh well i mean everything is negotiable dan so uh yeah there are these people who you know are just surrounded by everybody who's trying to tell them that they're not the way that they're supposed to be until the the this character uh finds a way to break them out of to get them out of their heads a little bit and to uh, show them how to have fun and so mm-hmm. uh, clearly both uh, movies go you know their own very unique ways but it's essentially the t- same type of story um, I mean Uncle Vincent isn't uh, in in Big Time Pee Wee there's no character who uh, is as menacing I suppose like who basically takes on the powers of a demon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's definitely some magic that happens in big top peewee, but although yeah. one might argue it's science because peewee's developing the whole the hot dog tree. formula and that we talked about that's in the archives. So, yeah. uh, yeah, in this case, and it's kind of funny how it all wraps up at, at the end and they are like, they are ready to literally burn her at the stake yeah. And they don't they don't realize that they've been wrong until they are attacked by Uncle Vinny. Yeah. In his like demon form or his. Sure. Played by W. Morgan Shepard. He's perfect for the role. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. He's he's great. Uh, It's. It's it's fun. Like the characters in this and the things that happen are there are there are just there are moments, though, where your jaw just drops, uh, just Mm -hmm. drops to the floor. Um, For instance, the scene when Elvira is tarred and feathered. Right. Yes. Uh, In her uh, what was supposed to be flash dance moment turned into carry moment. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, Patty, the owner of the bowling alley, uh, which, man, tell me, I don't know about you, but I got a little nostalgic with that bowling alley. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. Like Garwood Lanes. Totally. Uh, I went to a bowling alley recently, and everything about it was pretty old school, except for the, like, screens and, uh, like, the scoring system. But everything else was and- pretty... Uh, old school, which maybe probably me couldn't smoke. Probably couldn't smoke. C- you couldn't smoke in there. in there, right? But it's still you can tell that that was a room that had been smoked in. Got it. Okay. Yeah. All right. It, the walls were still have, saturated. It has to have that atmosphere, and you should be able to at least catch a hint of it in the air. Yeah. Yeah. So you know what? You know, as, as I'm and, and I'm sorry to go back to this, but as I'm thinking about it, there's, you know, even a stronger parallel between I uh, between Elvira, Mistress of the Dark and Big Top Peewee, because once the townspeople eat a specific thing, that's when a part of them is unlocked for Big Top oh. Peewee. They turn into children. And for this one, they all get super horny and oh, like, right. Very vibrantly horny. <laughs> and that scene is 
crazy. That scene is really crazy. Yeah. Wow. Like, damn, they they go for it in that scene. Yeah, like, there's like a there's a potluck uh, that's being part of the whole. Uh, what is the name of the organization in town? Like the moral. Essential... Exactly. Yeah. It's the oh, what's it's the, the society? Uh, oh, the the oh from Cold Turkey. The, yeah, um, no, you and I are thinking the same thing. The, yes, but it's yes. somebody's name. I can't remember the Christopher Mott Society or something. Yes, the Christopher Mott Society. <laughs> thank you. Yes, yes. I guess I pulled that one out. Branch. Oh, wow. Yeah. Good, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to question it. I'm not going to say maybe. I'm, I'm like, pretty no, sure it's it. the Christopher Mott Society. Uh, yeah. And so yeah, you're right. it's it's this group of people and they're all just, you know, they, they're holier than thou. And uh, um, Elvira, using her great aunt's cookbook, cooks something up that the town cannot get enough of. Edie McClurg as Chastity Pariah is is just like scraping the bottom of the uh, of the pot and um oh, yeah everybody's going nuts oh, for it and it just turns oh everybody my. into complete horn dogs it's amazing wow and and it, 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 the stuff that they that happens i mean oh yeah this movie is pg-13 but like by a thread <laughs> yeah and yeah. It, it was funny because i was thinking about it and i remember i felt like i was like oh was it like kind of family family friendly i was like no. not our family no i mean no definitely yeah. not but and i would say not a lot of families uh like yeah that's that's not i mean i i was some, i remember it coming out yeah i would definitely remember uh, remember this one hitting theaters and uh, was certainly interested in, in seeing it, but not in the theater. And I definitely did not get, uh, I can tell you, I did not get the jokes when I saw it at first. So many, yeah. so many really great. My There's like quadruple one, entendres in it. My favorite one, I, I wrote it down and it's it, it, like after something happens and she bumps her head and and I think it's like Bob who like her love interest who oh, says, how's your yeah. head? And she goes, I haven't had any complaints yet. Yeah. <laughs> and and I I feel like the the winkiness about it and her like fourth wall breaks and just kind of the way that the movie plays out where it's like the audience is part of it because the it's like a movie where the jokes aren't for the people in the movie. The jokes are for the audience specifically. Mm-hmm. And right. uh, it's, it's its own special kind of movie because of things like that. And uh, it's, you know, for somebody like Cassandra Peterson, it's like maybe it's a more of a passion project than a vehicle to like launch a franchise of movies. I know that she has desired or has expressed the desire to uh, continue on with more films. Um, But she's been very active otherwise with the character of Elvira. There was a Hulu series at one point. And uh, I know she's been trying to get some, uh, like of the movie macabre stuff. Like, yeah, uh, she did film a pilot. In uh, yeah. according to Wikipedia, yeah, in '93, which seems to be like a serialized version of the film. Yeah, yeah. So, 
I don't know. I I do hope that we haven't seen the last of Elvira on screen. And Dan, I'd love to know how you would like to see that happen. I don't know. There's not really a like this type of character is not as much of a thing anymore as, uh-huh. as we were saying. We don't have this as much anymore. However, I do feel that doing like maybe going on tour, doing a road show mm-hmm. and like Vegas offering the app. I mean, <laughs> the the dome, the sphere, where, wherever it is, where they're keeping you two. Uh, I honestly believe that you two are prisoners and are trapped inside of of that sphere in Las Vegas. <laughs> and that's fine. Uh, and I would love to see Elvira like if if I saw that, oh, you know, hey, Elvira's coming to Seattle and is is gonna be they're gonna do like plan nine from outer space right and maybe and like have special guests have uh, like you know get get tim burton uh, right to come to a a show and join her and and you know like i'd watch a movie with her like i'm you know like she could still do her same shtick and that would be a fun thing to do yeah. I would rather I don't think I would watch her. I think I'd more likely go to see her live than than watch a show cuz I didn't even know she had anything on Hulu until I was doing research for this. Right. So, so either that or I saw it and just It might not have just really... been on your radar. No. Yeah. No, but like yeah, and like the Elvira live show, especially it would be cool also if you could have her tour to like historic movie theaters and yeah. really play up the can like I don't want to see Elvira like, you know, the AMC super Dolby no. 4K thing. Like she's gonna be showing movies that are really low budget. I don't know, let me see it in my neighborhood movie theater. Yeah. You know, not yeah. that Elvira is going to play there, but yeah, well, it'll be fun. You never, you never know. And uh, I mean, Cassandra Peterson, uh, she lives where I live in Portland. I mean, it wouldn't be uh, too far of a, of a stretch to think that she would go to Seattle to do something like that. Um, and I know that she does things around around here. Um, she was just at the Fan Expo recently. I believe that uh, our one of our uh, great theaters in town, the Hollywood Theater, uh, showed Elvira this past October. Well, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, uh, this past October. I don't know if she was there for it, but it was kind of it was hosted by um, this fantastic. I actually I think that I might have talked about this performer when we did our Birdcage episode, but uh, Carla Rossi, uh, who is Portland's premier. um drag clown and uh, uh aka anthony hudson who uh, programs a lot of movies at the hollywood theater as part of a queer cinema uh you know string of programming and i love that elvira is kind of embraced as this queer icon not because cassandra uh, cassandra peterson herself is in a same-sex relationship uh, i think it's just that because of the character elvira uh, is essentially, you know, it's it's it has a lot of drag in its roots, 
and uh, is very much celebrated as being, you know, it's like, that's what it's all about is expressing yeah. yourself and owning who you are and, and letting this other part of your personality come out. And I think that that is uh, a really cool thing about the character that probably wasn't uh, even a spark of a thought back in the early eighties, maybe even late seventies when the character came about. Hmm. Yeah, that's, I was just reading, I was just reading, uh, that she released a memoir uh, just a couple of years ago. She seems to be like a really cool person. And I'm really happy that she has continued success, you know, in maybe a bit more of like a subculture, uh, but uh -huh. still it's culture nonetheless. And uh, I find that just really exciting, especially for somebody who, it, I, from what I understand about Cassandra Peterson, you know, didn't necessarily have it all figured out at the beginning. Uh, you know, was a showgirl for a while. I think worked at like the Playboy Club or something like that. And uh, it wasn't until she started taking classes at the Groundlings that she really mm -hmm. found herself. And uh, you know, meeting people like John Paragon and uh, and Paul Rubens and and you know, unlocking this part of her personality. And they, these people definitely, what we know of John Paragon and Paul Rubens, Lynn Marie Stewart, yeah. they definitely seem like, you know, kindred spirits. Totally. Who could, who could bring the best out of each other. I yeah. would love to go back and, you know, that it's funny because sometimes we, uh, you know, the, the ask the question, you know, if you could go back in time, I, I'll ask my students this sometimes just to, you know, get some conversation. But like, if you could go back in time and spend a day, just 24 hours, like just existing in another time and place, you know, like nothing like you can do stuff, you know, you're not like a ghost, but nothing you do is going to have any lasting impact mm -hmm. or anything. You just kind of like exist and Usually what I say for that is like, I would love to go back to like 1970 New York city and, uh -huh. you know, just go, go see like really amazing bands for like 10 bucks and small, make sure you're, make sure like you're that. up on your vaccines before you do that. Yes. Well, I would, uh, yeah, th this is true. Uh, I, I would not be getting up to anything. Uh, I will be wearing my, uh, my wedding ring. It, when I travel back, we'll it's not, not even about that. It's just being in a full oh. body protective armor and everything. Oh yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah. So, but now that I think about it, I'm like, man, early eighties groundlings. Yeah. Well, like, and Dan, that's kind else. of, and that's kind of what I'm thinking of for oh, the way okay, that yeah. I would, uh, kind of continue the legacy of Elvira because, Thinking a lot about documentaries lately, mm. thewalt.substack.com. I'd love to see a documentary about early 80s groundlings where there's oh, a, yeah. not just not just these characters, but a lot of people that, you know, eventually went on to be on Saturday Night Live. Phil and, Hartman. Oh, I mean, totally. Geez, so many. Yeah. Sure. Another Paul Rubens. Yeah. The first name that comes to mind. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. But. I feel like that's kind of a special time for the groundlings where you do have a lot of these people. I mean, Phil Hartman, uh, sure. But these people who kind of created these, these characters who have lived on in 
their own worlds of fame. And especially after having lost Paul Rubens uh, recently, uh, there's going to be no shortage shortage of uh, tributes to uh, his legacy uh, in the years, decades, centuries, millennia to come. And uh, yeah, I, I just love to see something something about that. I think that also, um, and there was a documentary that was made about the making of Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, called To Macabre. And <laughs> uh, I, I didn't, uh, I wasn't able to watch it, but um, I love that that was kind of put out there. And I, of course, support more documentaries to be made about the weird and wonderful cinema that you know maybe was overlooked at the time that you know you can i mean clearly like i said before there's screenings of this movie where it's being celebrated by you know the the queer community for having an an impact on uh on on their lives and especially those who are maybe into or also into uh strange cinema well, and all I mean, and and especially this this movie about being yourself, even when who you are doesn't please those around you and yeah. how it's important to be true to yourself. So uh, I it's wonderful that this movie can mean that for people, because honestly, that does mean that this movie at, is or has become more than what it was intended to be, because I really yeah. think it was just intended to be, you know, some some cheap laughs for, uh, you know, teenage, mostly teenage boys. And I think it it it's it's actually believe not the best movie in the world, but like it it's it's grown beyond that. Sure. And, and I do wonder what would have happened if a, a director like Tim Burton, who Cassandra did want to uh attach to this project you know had he come on board i'm sure there would have been script rewrites and things would have gone very differently and who's to say what the outcome would have been um oh yeah i mean i think he was working on beetlejuice at the time yeah um yeah, yeah that would make sense so yeah i mean who's to say what would have happened but it's kind of i'm kind of glad that like what did happen happened because it is kind of special and Perhaps had it gotten into the hands of Tim Burton, who, I mean, at that time, you know, the the next year, then doing Batman. And so um, who knows? Maybe it would have changed it in a way that wouldn't have worked out that well for Cassandra Peterson or the character of Elvira. I think everything worked out in the, the way it was meant to be, because clearly this movie, I think that this movie has more of a legacy than it would have otherwise. I think you're right. And I and I do appreciate that this movie is just unapologetically Elvira Mistress of the Dark. <laughs> I don't know how very else to unapologetically. <laughs> I'd be surprised if uh much was edited. You know <laughs> like I, I don't think anybody said like maybe let's dial that back a little bit. <laughs> Do we do we uh, there was probably a, a, a couple of additional like maybe fart sound effects during the gas station scene that were in the initial cut. Possibly. 
Possibly. We'll never know. Maybe we'll get a 4K restoration d- uh, director's cut someday with, with all the restored fart sounds. We should be so lucky. Well, Dan, do you want to tell everybody what we're going to be covering on our Michigan episode of Ruined Childhoods? Oh, you know I do. Oh, we're going to Michigan and we're going back to 1959. Anatomy of a Murder, directed by Otto Preminger, starring, among others, James Stewart, Ben Gazzara, Lee Rem. James Stewart. I'm excited Uh, to see old school Ben Gazzara. Old school, well, young, young, old school young Ben, ben, ben Gazzara. Yeah. A very young Ben Gazzara. Lee Remy, George C. Scott pops up in this. And the music by Duke Ellington. Right. So you know it's going to be popping. Anatomy of a Murder. You know, I, and, uh, what I'm also excited about, uh, you know, just speaking about Ben Gazzara, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be talking about this on the, just after the trailer for the new Roadhouse trailer, you know, before oh, that, yes. that just dropped. And uh, Ben Gazzara, as you know, in terms of 80s bad guys, Roadhouse, oh, so good. Ben Gazzara. Pitch perfect. And we you, we talk about that on our Roadhouse episode. Check it <laughs> yeah, out. that's right. God, I forgot we did Roadhouse. We did do Roadhouse. That was Five years, one. huh? I yeah we dude we've talked about a lot of movies <laughs> well and, and there's so many more well Dan as you are on your way to see Weeza in Worcester I wish you a good journey good journey. Good journey.